0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of What About Us? Cultural Awareness in Clinical Psychology. My name is Kate Cooper and I'm a co-host of a podcast along with Afsana Fahim. And we've been on quite a long break we've both been working really hard on getting our phds finished up um, but now we're back with a new series and we're going to have new episodes out every month or so probably on a bit of a less regular schedule uh than we were on before when we were in lockdown um i don't know about you but life has got pretty busy recently so we're doing our best and we've got some really exciting guests coming up over the next few months um, but the episodes might not be quite as regular as before. And on the episode today we've got Jalal Mia. he's a lecturer at the University of Sunderland and he's a British Bangladeshi man and the first in his family to go to university and he does work about faith, mental health um, and Uh, health inequalities and in the podcast today we're going to be speaking about learning to communicate about psychology the hard way and related to that being the first, Jalal being the first in his family to go to university, not feeling represented in the subject matter of undergraduate psychology courses and how to change the system to support wider groups struggling with mental health problems and Jalal really has a message of hope for us that change is possible. So, over to the interview. Okay, so welcome Jalal to What About Us? Um, and thank you for being our first guest after quite a long break. Um, so, could we just start off by you telling us a bit about yourself?
1: Um, yeah, thanks so much for having me, Kate. Um, and coming all the way from from, from where you are in Bath to up in the North to do this podcast, but no, my name is Jaleel and I'm a lecturer in psychology at the University of Sunderland.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. Thanks so much. Yeah, and I forgot to mention that we're actually in person in 3D, which is pretty exciting. I uh, don't have to worry about Zoom cutting out or internet signal or whatever. Um, yeah, so you're a lecturer and we were just talking about how this is the end of your first year in this post. So, how have you been finding life in the northeast?
1: Um, so, I'm originally from like the like, like the south, um, like in from from Bedfordshire. So, coming up here in the north, it was a big um, like transition, and I think it's it's interesting like with this job um, or this role that I've got. It's another transition because I've finished the PhD. So, there's two types of transitions that are happening right now or have happened in the last 12 months. So moving from South to the North um, and then moving from like PhD, finishing PhD to lecture lecturer in psychology. Um, so it's hard to answer that question, well, without considering both factors. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's coincidence, but I, um, in the third year, one of the third year modules, um, we there was an exhibition that was focused on um, where students had to pre- present or put on a display and the, guess what the theme was? Transitions. Wow. So it was interesting th- I don't know I mean I, I, like I said I don't know if something the dots have been connected so I think there's a big part of like transition so I think I'm being patient with the first year. How has it gone? Um, I think it's gone really well in terms of like it's ex- it's been a positive experience, exceeded my expectations, I was a lot of anxieties um, Uncertainties, what's going to happen? What do I do? What the pressures are like? Um, am I am I going to be able to do it? Uh, do they trust me? Are they, are they, am I confident enough to deliver lectures? So a range of emotions and thinking. Um, so I think that question around, I think it's a really good question. Um, that I can't answer it without the other factor because there are all, lots of things are happening.
0: Mm.
1: Especially in that last 12 months.
0: Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I totally agree with you. Doing lectures is pretty nerve-wracking, isn't it? It's something that I think doesn't get talked about all that much, but I think most people speaking in front of a big room of people (laughs) feel nervous, right? But we're supposed to not feel that if we're lecturers. Um, But yeah, so you've also had this move from the South to the North, and you grew up in Bedfordshire.
1: Yeah, so I was born in um, Luton, um, and it... That's where I've kind of got my PhD from, that area. Um, I did do my undergrad in Hertfordshire, but still in the south. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I did my master's in, in to my, in my hometown and then I thought to myself, okay, what do I do? Um, I can go, I you know, I can go abroad, I can go um, north or, um, or in the Midlands or further down south-west. Um, but I really thought to myself, like, OK, well, I've got other responsibilities, can't really leave as such. So that's why I decided to do my PhD in, in Luton and uh, because, you know, it had to go with my lifestyle at that moment and a choice. So um, now things slightly have changed. Like so the responsibilities in the family, for example, family home have are being, um, you know, diversified, if you like, Um so it's allowed me to to make that move um, mm. up north but if the situation had not changed i probably wouldn't be up here so i think it's about lots of other life things that are part of your career journey totally
0: you know? yeah and it is really important isn't it that you <laughs> think about your life as well as your career trajectory and often in academia i think that can get Left behind, but can I just take you back then? So you you said that you um, did your undergrad degree kind of close to home, and what was it like for you? Kind of deciding to go to university. First
1: oh, place? so um, but yeah, I should should have said like I'm first gen, first gen like, generation student. Um, yeah, I, I, it was hard because I was I felt out of place because after school I I didn't go to college. I went to the apprenticeship. I went to working because you know we had to you know become financially putting it into the uh, into the system if you like or into the family home um, so going back was like a very I was full of dread
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know if I'm making the right choice I'm not I don't know if I'm making the right decision because I'm leaving work something that people that our family know that as a system that works for us mm-hmm. we don't know what is a university? To, how does that play into our lives? And how how, does, how do we get there? Is that that university is only for clever people or for people who are not like us. We are the working class, mm-hmm. right, or the poorer working class. Um, that's our future. Um, we shouldn't aspire the other way because we'll fail. We're not able to compete. So I think there was lots of like, um, uncertainty. So I wouldn't talk to people in the first... Um, in the first few months, or maybe in the yeah, in the first few months, I wouldn't talk to lecturers, I wouldn't talk to students. So, Because it was like coming into this environment, everyone else was talking, I and mean, you come in, and all you hear is just noise. Mm. So you, you stop paying attention to the content, like the lecturers' notes or the induction stuff, you start paying attention to what everyone else is doing. And that can be quite intimidating. So I was quite intimidated coming into... That's I mean, to answer that question, yeah, the, the fear of intimidation that's coming and in, seeing in a lecture and what, what am I doing here? Mm. Have I made the right decision? Is this is this? You no, know, I I I really thought about like leaving at certain points, you know, in that moment, like because at that moment it just feels like another job, right? Another role, another mm. another mm. environment, you know. So it feels like a cinema visit. Just going to the cinema, you'd be there for a couple of hours and you leave. Mm. It wasn't. I didn't see the whole the library thing and the reading thing and. Yeah, so yeah. intimidation.
0: Yeah, and was it a culturally diverse university? Did you see people who looked like you teaching you, or was it...?
1: Oh, so, yeah, I think the students were, like, from similar backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So that made me feel a bit more, um identif- uh, like, you know, I can connect. But intellectually, you know, like, I only finished with three Cs, like, three Cs and GCSEs, right? But these students, I finished with, like, you know, like good A's and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I felt disconnected in, in some ways, even though they might have the same ethnicity background. But intellectually, I just thought, you know, I can't really talk, I can't really say anything because I'm going to look stupid or I am stupid. Um, so I'm not going to say anything. So there was the was reason why I didn't engage with the classes. So the students were diverse. Um, in terms of the lecturers, no, because... But it wasn't a thing. It wasn't like something that was... Like uh, you don't pick up on that. You don't really care about. it, You don't care if the lecturers are because by then all your teachers and your um, you know education has not been people from your background. So when you go to university, you don't expect anything different. So it wasn't like a big shock in that sense. It wasn't like because we were anticipating. We just thought that was normal. So I don't know if it, if it yeah it wasn't a problem. I don't think because it was not you're not conscious of it in that sense the only way you would find conscience to it is when they start teaching you certain aspects of psychology, then you're thinking, I don't know, maybe in the second year or third year. Mm. Like, what about people like me? What about my family and my community and how do we use a psychology? This is not going to fit. This is not going to, so do you mean, there's aspects of psychology like, yeah, this is really making sense because that's the reason why I chose psychology, because I want to use it to help my family because they had mental health problems and so I had to understand so there's me looking for the the you know the connection Um, and there were times basically like the, the, the excellent connection right mm. but there's other times like well what about so when they touched upon culture or faith or religion it'd be very you know cornered off in a small you know unit somewhere and you know, not not, and not you know, it being like hostile towards them. You think, all right, cool, that it, it happens because that's what you expected, and you're trying to get more out of them. Like, so can you tell me a bit more? And I noticed that there was limited knowledge, um, limited debate, limited discussion, because um, you're looking for the answers um, from from these like intellectuals, right? Um, so I don't know if it's if it's they're doing a polite thing. They were not being like again, hostile in a learning environment. No, we don't talk about that, no, nothing like that. It was just the fact they had limited knowledge. And I think that could be because of lack of representation, lack of identity. Um, but anyway, it channeled, channeled my reading, start looking into these areas, start looking into the journals and the papers and push me in those areas. Mm. So I don't know if that would not have happened if they were there, you see.
0: Absolutely. So it sounds like you really identified the gaps the cultural gaps in what they were mm. teaching you and then that was something that you were very proactively trying to learn about yourself. So how did that then kind of take you forward to where you are now? It sounds like that shaped the kind of work that you do.
1: Yeah I, I, I don't think it happened consciously. No? <laughs> Sub, subconsciously I think it did because I think people start, um, I don't know if it's like you know just a coincidence and just like naturally that's the progression. 'Cause people start asking questions, they stimulate you, they want to know more about, you know, your beliefs about the world and how you think, how people and then you start giving examples, then they become interested in that a bit more, and then that stimulates the conversation, and then they ask questions and then you start looking to a bit more research questions, like mental health in South Asians, for example, mental health and faith communities. Um, and because they're limited knowledge, they're very interested to know about your thoughts or opinions, and you're very round about a bit of the area, you've got the personal experience. So you're giving them a different, you know, like form of intelligence, if you like, informing the intelligence base or evidence base. Um, And then other people start asking. So other people start asking when it comes to other people, these are students, not just lecturers now. Um, And I think that is what shaped some of the direction. Um, Because, you know, I I think in, in like, universities, most of us, like, we're truth-seekers. we're searching for the answers. Um, it's one of the things that stuck out from my psychology days, like um, head of school of psychology said, we're looking for the answers. And I think that, I'm like, well, you, in my head, I was thinking you should have the answer. You're the head of school, <laughs> man. You know? <laughs> you know what I mean? What am I doing? I'm wasting a lot of money, you know? <laughs> but I realized that I, that's what, that was my first thought. But I really thought that. I go, why don't you know the answer? So there was a bit of, I don't know, anger, mm. a bit of annoyance. And then I realized over the years, how right he was like yeah we are looking for the answers um but to understand that statement you have to go through a lot of like development and then i thought to myself that's what most of the problems that we've got like we might not understand them today about these issues but the more we let them like you know digest them over time then we might get some perspective or might get some direction so i think it was a combination of like being exposed to being open-minded Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think women's rights were a thing, you know, until I come to university, and you know that's one of the things I admit, like, because I didn't think that why do women why do women need to have rights when we've got equal rights? Like, how does that? I never understand the concept until someone challenged my thinking and said, "Well, do you think we live in an equal world?"
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I thought, "Oh, yeah, that's true, actually." You know, it's so and it, so, it's you have to be open minded. You have to be, um, I think, like uh, being vulnerable. Yeah. Um, to in the learning space and trust your peers to say they're not going to judge you, they, we're here to like and then I think like I was being open-minded listening to how the people access mental health services, healthcare from different backgrounds whether it's um, you know race or, um, or ethnicity, ethnicity or religion gender, um, what status they are in their marital life you know it's going to have different problems and i think that helped me um being like in this space and that's what shaped me to be like okay Mm. and so i don't have to abandon my beliefs to be respectful of others um Mm. like i don't feel threatened i don't feel intimidated anymore and that's me being open-minded so i think that was a big thing
0: yeah and what was that like for you kind of going on that journey of learning um you know kind of tr- coming to understand that what your head of department had said about looking for the answers um, and being first generation and your family kind of not having had a similar experience to you of going to university how did how did that kind of fit with your um, backgrounds and home life?
1: It was hard you're judged how dare you tell us about stuff we know our stuff immediate family members are fine. So in South Asians, you know, we are connected with what we call extended family members, which means relatives, right? So the immediate family members, they obviously don't know. S- my siblings were very supportive. My sister was really supportive, probably my number one family, as I like to call her. Um, so she was very encouraging. She was like, yeah, do it, do it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, education is the way forward. Um, but extended members of the family, like, oh, you, th- you think you're a big shot now? You think you're educated now? And it was really, like... These attack attacking comments, and so you you withdraw, Mm. isn't it? Like you like okay, I'm not going to tell you stuff. If you're going to attack me, I'm not going to tell you anything. That's fine. I'll go to somewhere else, who do want to listen, or I'll keep it to myself, because I'm not in you know that space to be attacked. You know what's the matter with you? Um, And as I was unconfident, um, probably feel intimidated that feeling of intimidation because you're still you're still learning a new whole discipline you're trying to help your family you're trying to learn like this thing you're trying to get the remedies right and the solutions and the answers and there's people out there like within the family environment who are shooting you from so for a number of years undergrad masters whatever um, I kept it quiet about what I'm doing you Mm. know reading just attending and and keeping that part of the life separate to my family life because one, they don't understand, two, because they don't know how to explain it to them.
0: Mm-hmm. So there's that
1: bit as well. So it's a combination of, like, I think, intimidation, um, and also not confident about the topic, how to communicate psychology. I think mean, that's why I do a lot of psychology communication. <laughs> <laughs> you've learned it now, you've got to use it. <laughs> yeah, if you don't, because otherwise people come at you, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're not there to hate people, right? Because I think that's one thing that I've learned, like, I just think that it's very sad when you when you spend your life angry, miserable, you're wasting your life. what's yeah. the matter with you? Like you can, you don't have to live your life like that no matter what your circumstances are. That's why I believe in optimism and uh, and um, so I think but that comes from me young engage about like family home and stuff like that and yeah but I think stunning psychology you have to be a bit of a rebel, mm. especially if it's not something that's common. Because in our families or communities, we study accounting, law, finance, um, you know, um, medicine, pharmacy, that kind of thing. So psychology is a completely alien topic um, because they have superstition around this. Like you shouldn't be studying people. You shouldn't be studying the mind. Um, you might get possessed. You might get mentally ill. You might get like this. You might destroy yourself. There's still that Even today's with all the information education. Um, but there's less threat now. Mm. I don't know why.
0: Why is that?
1: Because they're scared to have a conversation because they don't know how it's going to end. Because I'm ready.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> you've got this communication skill now. I'm more ready than I was. I'm yeah, not saying yeah. I, I'm definitely not the finished right, article, I, I don't think there's no such thing. But I think I'm ready than I was when I was like younger, of course. Mm. You know.
0: Well, you've done a PhD now, so I'm really struck listening <laughs> to you. You know, you had three yeah. Cs at GCSE, and then. Came to university, felt like an outsider, didn't want to say anything for quite a long time, um, family a bit dubious about what you were doing, but here you are as a lecturer at a university and you've done a PhD. So, what what happened in those years as you were kind of looking for those answers and trying to understand oh, mental health more?
1: Yeah, I think that's, I think there's, there's a switch that happened somewhere along the line. I don't know when it happened, you know, maybe it was doing the PhD, maybe because I wasn't paying attention, but there's a switch where people did prop up start to stop talking and start listening. People came for advice. People came for help. People came for intervention. I'm talking about extended family members. Mm. They they start getting referrals all sorts of way. And you know, and I, I noticed that the critics, the people who are judgmental, start to quiet down a bit and they wouldn't talk amongst them because they know that the others will shut them down. Mm. Like, okay, well, do you wanna have do you know, you know um, the credibility, if you like, um, of these people went down. Uh, I don't know when that happened. Maybe after, maybe the start of the PhD, or I don't think we start the PhD, um, because I was t- I was attacked for starting a PhD. You're mm. wasting your time. No, don't do it. Because um, family and friends, they're connected. you see in our in our community, we see friends as like brothers and sisters as well. We're not supposed to see family as just like on its own. Friends as well, part of the whole community. Mm. <clears throat> Especially from a faith perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think like, um, there was a conversation around like, no, don't do it, you should be focusing on this, you should be focusing on on, like, on on marriage, Um, you know, you should be focused on on getting a job, you're wasting your time, don't do it. So it was a combination of like, um, support, but some people still stuck their ground, but didn't say nothing. But others emerged
0: mm-hmm. to
1: attack more. And I just think to myself, like, it's education. It's a bloody library. You can do it. No one's stopping you. What's the matter with you? Right? You got where you are in terms of your healthcare, The clothes that you wear, because people went and educated themselves, man. You know? The things, that you, <laughs> the things that you're driving mm. that has come from some sort of intelligence because someone thought Do you know what let me go and find that so, then the, so yeah it's interesting to, to study psychology to see this human behavior
0: yeah um, but, but it sounds like you caused a bit of a shift within your wider family network and in how people did start to think about mental health
1: oh yeah i mean i think like as like what they call like legacy right legacy work, Mm. legacy um, like something you leave behind. The impact was um, good, I think, because they started to talk about mental health within their own families. And and they knew the stance of like mental health, um, where we were, like you shouldn't be judging, you should be getting help. This is the model, this is the way to do it. These are the values. Um, So I think they started to have that conversation or do that intervention within their own families. Um, and I think that was a that was a good thing. Um, and it still is like today, like, okay, that's, it's, it, it doesn't matter about the person who's got the condition. It's how the environment is, is, a, is the thing that needs to change.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like your credibility within the family increased over the years.
1: But yeah, um, I think when we founded the charity, that was the big thing, the mental health charity, right? A few years ago, like, um, to talk. Tell about us about the charity. Yeah. Oh yeah, so it's basically it's called Our Minds Matter, and it's just providing psycho education, like psycho education to communities about the connection between mind, body, and spirit, and how the faith is encouraging um, health and wellness. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not there to discipline you and to punch you in the face kind of thing, right? It's there to help you grow. Yeah, you know? are um, there
0: particular communities that you focus on with a charity?
1: Um, we are open to all, but the most people who come to it um, are people from like um, Christian backgrounds and from Muslim faith. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Christian and Muslim mainly. Um, we do have like people from Sikh Sikhism come in, contact the charity, attend training, things like that. We don't do like counselling or intervention, purely education, and uh, that came about when we realised that when I was working in public health as a commissioner that there was no um, uh, intervention that provided education for these communities because we just thought like What we what we would have needed when we were younger if you like for our families If we had that bit of education or intelligence or evidence or strategies, first aid We could avoid some of the misery and unnecessary pain that we all had to go through So it's just like sitting with the others who also came from similar backgrounds um, mm. But they wanted me to be like the, the lead the charity. I said well, leadership Mm. it's not my thing Um, I'm happy to work with people but leadership comes with a lot of responsibilities a lot of accountability and a lot of pressure so Mm -hmm. but they I took it um, as a chair said "All right, I'll do it Mm -hmm. and um, so it's combining um, the psychology degree and in fact that dominated my work over the PhD because my PhD is more to do with um, physical activity, mm-hmm. the psychological barriers to behaviour change, to mm-hmm. physical activity. With the mental health work, that took the big, like, and I think as a combination, the PhD, the charity, working in this space and helping the family, the credibility, I think um, people probably felt a bit more confident.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it grew gradually over time by the size yeah. of it. And you said you were doing commissioning work in public health.
1: Yeah, so that was um, part-time alongside the PhD. Uh, my PhD wasn't funded so um, um, I had to work alongside um, and I took up very many, many jobs so I chose jobs that were kind of like similar to my interests and this commissioning job was working in local authority two local authorities um, so two-part jobs um, and looking at health inequalities mm-hmm. so um, you know there's me would be giving money away if you like if I saw a good project on reducing um, or oh, improving mental health um, education or mental health um, intervention and so i got to know the the other organizations mm. um, and they said oh he's this this guy he seems to be quite a pro i was like yeah i understand what you're going through and what you're what you need so it did it did help me like yeah. Yeah, in that yeah. sense um obviously i wasn't doing my own i had managers and everyone looking after the budgets and stuff like that but i would make the case for them in like the big commissioning meetings and say, this is what we need to do, or this is what we need to Mm. um, make the arguments for.
0: Yeah, and what were the big lessons that you learned from those two roles? Because it sounds like together, I mean, as well as you doing your PhD, but the mental health charity (laughs) and the commissioning work that you were doing, sounds like that gave you quite a good bird's eye view of health inequalities and kind of cultural differences and attitudes towards mental health services. And what are the big kind of takeaway lessons that you learned from Experiences.
1: Um, change is possible. Like, don't believe that it can't change. You can change. You can influence things. You can persuade. You shouldn't give up. You should, um, because it's 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 all about priorities. If you can basically get, you know, get someone, get a team to like persuade them to see your side of things, in a commission team, for example, you can do it as long as it matches the evidence and and the and the policies and. The direction and um, it's possible but you need to have people fighting for it. Um, I think the NHS um, has to move away from um, you know short-term um, solutions and say patch people up and out of the way because they take all most of the money in, in public health or in health budgets um, and then they have the same problem. Like, And everyone says it in Commissioning Life they just gave a bit more, 10% at least, right? to more prevention long-term prevention then we wouldn't be in this like keep having these problems because mm-hmm. these are human beings mm-hmm. um, that are experiencing these problems they're not just numbers and sadly in uh, these settings people become numbers mm-hmm. and it's quite sad to see and I think that's the reason why I moved into I realised that academia uh, people I, I you know telling the people students is going to be the thing that I do like telling them like or informing them,
0: mm, education
1: mm. seems to be the one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You made a very strong case for that, I think, in telling your story. So we'll we'll wrap up soon. But I I was wondering, um, in terms of the charity, what what are your big aims for what you want to be doing next to kind of improve mental health in the communities oh, yeah. <laughs> that you serve?
1: Yeah, yeah. I know that's a good question because that's where we we've hit a gridlock. I don't know, like um, it would be good to catch up in the future at some time. But um, at the moment, so one part of so there's two strands to our work. Okay, um, one is about the public education, and that's worked really well. We've we said okay, and everyone loved that, right? And we've said to them, okay, we're not going to do that anymore. We know, we know we're good, yeah, but it's not our responsibility. Yeah, I'm not responsible, and the charity's not responsible for the population, right? Mm. That's not. I mean, mental health is everyone's responsibility. Okay. Um, so we will. We what we think the solutions are. We're okay. saying that. Um, so is working with the commissioners, uh, or the commissioning team to say, you must work, um, based on our evidence and our work. You must work in a strategy together. To help these people, because it's your responsibility. You're accountable. Okay, we will help you, but we can't do it with nothing, right? Um, and so at the moment we hit this gridlock with them, we've given them a pro- uh, like a proposal and say, this is a three-year project, this is a three-year plan. We don't know what it looks like in three years, but this is the first way to get started to work with this community or this group. Um, let us know when you when you start caring and we'll... <laughs> no, We'll let us know when you want to meet up and... We'll, we'll take that conversation forward. So that's where we are. So the idea for the big plan um, or our next stage is like, for them to work with us on coming, um, um, developing a strategy to help these people. Um, and that's by...
0: Uh, to help the communities that you serve.
1: Yeah. yeah. And that means open, uh, making sure that their doors, that they've... Um, um, are accessible for all. Right. You know, to respect the population, to listen to them, to... Um, alter their interventions, to look at faith-based practices, to look at the evidence, to look at the science, um, but they need to believe in it. They can't, we're not going to do it without them. Um, at the moment they think that we will do the work and we say that's irresponsible mm-hmm. um, and somehow negligent of your duties, because that is your duty. at um, Because these people are, are um, protected by the Equality mm-hmm. Act, right? So it's it's funny that we've had to have that discussion but we have to be honest about the problems being transparent um communicating that um and this is what the this is what our work has led us to and we're not people with no intelligence mm-hmm. we are people from all different backgrounds from service user groups they've informed us of the solutions so even if we go and do what they do it's going to reach a different conclusion it's going to reach the same answers
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so we're saying to them Let us know when you're ready to tackle the issue and we'll be there to support you.
0: Yeah, that's so lovely to hear you talking at the beginning um, about considering going to university and thinking, no, that's not for me. That's for intelligent people to being at this point, giving advice to big organisations being like, actually, no, I have got the intelligence to be able to give you the right advice about this. It's a really nice arc to have heard about. So we will finish off there, but just before we do, is there Any last words of wisdom that you want to give our listeners? Um, We have lots of people listening who are early career, maybe thinking about careers in clinical psychology um, from diverse backgrounds. Is there anything that you want to say to them before we finish?
1: Yeah, first of all, thanks, Kate, for having me on your podcast. Um, I think the key thing someone said to me um, was around... um, there's no point of doing something because they can't change anything so you're better off not doing it I was quite like I don't know I was quite saddened to hear that and this was a you know it was not this was not a health worker this was not you know an academic or anything like that it was just like someone in a social circle and to hear that and it was like an indirect comment you're not gonna do anything and I was quite young in that moment, you know, when I heard that. And that can be, that that stuff can deter you. Mm-hmm. But I chose, and, and and it almost did, but I chose not to, like, right? No, I chose, I got, you, uh, I'm you. i not going to listen to that. You can change things. And now I think to myself, absolutely you can change things. You know, what's the matter with you? Of course you can change it. You know, uh, who, if you don't change, then, then we might as well all give up. We might as well close the hospitals and close the education <laughs> systems and not go to work, you know? This is dangerous and destructive thinking. If you ever come across that sort of listening, when someone deters you from your motivation um, or tells you you're going down the wrong path, run away from it. They are probably they are very almost like a sociopath. I would stay away from these individuals because they can really affect you. Um, and I think I say that very seriously. so that means pay attention to your to your emotions, your values, your principles because if you want to change anything or do something in the future um, and if you're from a challenging or you know like a, um, you've had a hard upbringing like, like I've had, um, just remember like the moment you hear that, let's shut down the schools, let's <laughs> shut down the, <laughs> the hospitals now, you know, that's what they're saying. So be careful of this when you hear this.
0: Oh, thank you, love. That's a wonderful message of hope to finish on it's been really really great having
1: you no problem thanks thanks so much for your time
0: so that was Jalal Mia speaking about his experiences uh, from when he was Uh, undergrad right up to being a lecturer. I don't know about you, but I think that was a really inspiring story to get us going in the new series. So uh, keep an eye out. We'll be sharing more episodes in a month or so. Goodbye.